0: Welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. I'm Imran Hughes, editor of Insurance Post, and today I'm joined by Veredis's Michael Morgan, Axis's Dan Stevens, RSA's Nigel Spencer, and Aviva's Nick Evans to talk about insuring wind farms. Today on the Insurance Post podcast, I'm pleased to have with me Michael Morgan, founder and chief underwriting officer of MGA Veredis, Daniel Stevens, head of engineering, renewable energy at Axis, Nigel Spencer, Global Development Manager at RSA and Nick Evans, Underwriting Manager for Renewable Energy at Aviva. With some of the global wind farm stock reaching the end of its originally intended lifespan, our experts will outline the insurance challenges facing wind farms. Hi Michael, Dan, Nigel and Nick, welcome to the Insurance Post podcast. Hello
1: Emma.
2: Morning Emma. Morning yeah. Emma.
1: Hey.
0: So, Nick, why can it be tricky to get cost effective cover for older wind farms?
3: So first and foremost, older wind farms are absolutely insurable. At Aviva, we cover over a hundred uh, turbines that are twenty-five years old or, or older, and they're running well. What we look for, uh, or what we like to speak to our clients about, is when they start to reach the end of their design life. Is to talk about what's next, so that could be repowering or a life extension of the wind farm. Mm. And. What our expectations of, of the insured is to employ third, third party engineers uh, to help them with that assessment. Mm. Once the assessment's been done, we'd like the insured to uh, design and execute an upgrade plan. Ultimately,
0: Nigel, would you agree? Not necessarily tricky, but having conversations.
3: Yeah,
2: yes. I think I think one of the things that we've noticed is that um, obviously a lot of what we deal with because the, the industry is still very young and there's a lot of developments going on is that the the O and M that the original uh, the wind farm would have taken out has long since expired, and what we see now is that the they are looking after the maintenance and and the uh, performance of it themselves in house. So from from as an insurance perspective, as they kind of get older, it's less of a kind of quality product as we would see or known product for us as an in insurance market. Uh, That means we have to sometimes have quite difficult conversations with the clients explaining why we have taken the views on this.
0: Dan, what's your views in terms of the availability of cost-effective cover for older wind farms in the current market?
1: Yeah, I think like everything, it depends on the risk-sharing appetite of uh, the insured. Many owners of these older wind farms have run those machines for 5, 10, 15 years and know them very well. So for us, it's important to understand... How is that going to change as the wind farm moves beyond its 25 year design life? What spares do they have available particularly? Because if spares aren't available, that's going to cause a problem. And then finally, we, we really advocate a risk sharing approach whereby we understand upfront how they're going to maintain these machines, inspections, ongoing checks, that should be increased through the lifetime. And if we're appraised of all the facts, and we're able to offer cover that adequately reflects the, the risk sharing they want there.
0: Mm. Nigel, um, would you agree it's having those kind of conversations? And also, what are the challenges for those with larger turbine sizes?
2: Um, the the move- I would say there's there's quite a few challenges in terms of what we're looking at. But I think for us as insurers, I feel we're often playing catch-up with technology. And the technology is always moving in one direction, which is into larger and larger um, uh, wind farms. Therefore, for us, it's almost the opposite of the the conversation about the older ones. The newer ones we're seeing, we don't often have clear certification available and we often don't have the uh, the trouble-free operating hours that we're expecting to see. We're being asked to sort of make and have a look at new judgments. It's not un- unsurmountable. I mean it's, it's, it's a really clear message to, to clients that they need to share with us as much information as they can, uh, particularly that, that they're getting from their uh, their manufacturers.
0: Michael, um, obviously with climate change, um, kind of at the tip of everyone's tongues at the moment, how do unpredictable weather patterns um, made more extreme by climate change and the inability to test renewable assets in those conditions make it more difficult to model the risk posed to wind farms?
4: Um, I think there's a number of different factors. Um, One is the unpredictable weather patterns that is being amplified by climate change. Um, There's the inability to fully test renewable assets and wind farms and larger turbines in particular in these extreme conditions. Um, And I think there's a lack of data-driven insights and modelling that uh, has been conducted so far. Um, That being said, when you look at the road ahead, I think collaboration in the industry and innovation um, is the way forward.
0: Mm. Nick, I mean, also, as you touched on at the start there as well, insurers are kind of helping um, with the switch from fossil fuels to green energy. Can you talk a bit about how um, insurers are supporting with that switch?
3: Yeah, so um, Aviva are playing quite quite an important part um, in in this switch. In 2019, Aviva launched its renewable energy offering. Um, as of last year, we launched our offshore wind offering, and we were very uh, early supporter of battery storage uh, risks in, in, in the UK, um, and th- I mean that, that's our commercial side of the business. And looking at the personal lines, uh, our car insurance, we cover almost every electric vehicle in the market, and ten- turning to our home insurance customers, if they decide to buy solar panels, heat pumps, uh, or batteries, um, they can add the, that, that to their home insurance for no additional cost. Um, and then I think claims is also an important area. You know, we're, we're striving to reduce uh, the environment impact on losses, and which, which are always trying to find uh, greener alternatives where we can.
0: And Dan, what are you doing in that area?
1: So for us, we see a lot of good synergies between fossil fuel and renewable energy insured. There's a number, for example, within offshore wind who are taking the expertise they've learned offshore developing and operating oil and gas assets and bring that to bear on newer technologies such as floating wind. The experience they have of running these assets in very harsh sea states for 30, 40 years is all a really positive contribution to the design and the operation of this new tech. And That's going to be crucial as we look to expand our renewables to not just the established areas such as Europe, but to other markets worldwide. Axis operates globally And what we found is by having an engineering team that's embedded in the underwriting team, such as mine, enables us to walk hand in hand with the insurers and the underwriters to not just take a blanket approach. So we'll work with our insurers to understand where their expertise lies and how we can offer the best fit for their cover.
0: Michael, you do something similar. So not so much support, but almost partnering, really, with these companies. Oh, very much so.
4: Mm. Um, And I think it's important to consider that the global shift towards renewable energy isn't just an environmental imperative but it's also a significant economic opportunity. Um, This this transition does present unique challenges, and the insurance industry as a whole plays a crucial role in mitigating the risks and facilitating this transformation. Um, They provide traditional insurance products associated with wind farms, also with solar panels and other renewable energy infrastructure. And this financial security to investors and developers helps make renewable energy projects more attractive.
0: Mm, I mean, you're touching on that. I mean, there's a, there seems to be a greater demand for support as well at, in the current um, climate um, um, for support from insurers. Nigel, is, uh, would you, what kind of support do you currently offer? And are you seeing that the demand is ramping up and the kind of things that people want is changing?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, mean well, I think we've already touched on the fact that we're looking at the new technologies around hydrogen and battery storage. But I would also say for those of us who are... Uh, kind of the, the leading peers of the, uh, of the renewable energy market is, is making sure that we provide the policies and coverage which best meet the needs of our clients and for things like renewables that would be looking at seasonalized revenues phased handovers, series losses, all these types of clauses and, and, and models which are possibly unique almost to our industry and, and I would like to th- stay and think that those of us involved in the London market on this are probably at the forefront of developing this for the client base that we have.
0: Mm, and, what, and when you talk about kind of the suitability and the needs, has that changed? And um, are, are kind of um, customers asking and brokers asking more kind of savvy questions would you say the knowledge set around kind of ensuring wind farms has improved greatly over the last decade
2: yeah well obviously i mean Mm. brokers are always asking questions to be honest um but yeah i mean for all of us who've who've been in this for quite a period of time we've we've you know the last 10 years have been stratospheric in terms of the the developments into in 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 both the technology we've seen but also the products we've we've put out there as well Mm. um one of the things that we're seeing more of i would say particularly is hybrids now we're talking about wind farms but we're seeing attached to that a battery storage or we're attached to that some grid connections or even combined wind solar even some conventional power so I think we as insurers develop the product but also have to develop our skill sets as well to look at the new technologies that are coming through.
0: Mm. Nick would you agree that kind of how how the industry has shifted in the last decade but also what does the future hold for insuring wind farms is it more hybrid and getting used to new models in terms of renewable energy?
3: Just to, <coughs> excuse me, to echo Nigel's points, um, it's really exciting. I mean I started in this industry 13 years ago and we had three to four insurance companies offering renewable energy. There's now over 30 um, and you know, proud to say Aviva is, is one of the leaders amongst my my, my peers here. Um, and just to go back to what we were talking about earlier in regards to, to larger wind turbines, again they're absolutely insurable. Um, but what we would ask is that our, our insureds, um, have greater communication with the manufacturers themselves, so when new, uh, turbines or new models come to market um, we've got a greater transparency about what is slightly different from the last model um, so we can work quickly to be able to provide the insurance cover that's required
0: mm. um, Michael, I mean um, Nick t- uh, touched on there in terms of the increase in the number of pl- um, players in the market over the last decade do you think that will continue and what, what do you see in the future for insuring wind farms? I think
4: we just have to look at the increased complexity and catastrophic loss potential. I think the, the people that are getting involved in providing risk transfer solutions need to be aware of these risks. They need to be informed and they need to have the, the solutions. Um, the ever-increasing size of wind turbines preden- uh, sorry presents undeniable benefits for energy generation, but it does pose unique challenges for the insurance industry. Um, The increased complexity, you know, larger turbines involve sophisticated components, intricate operating systems, and they require specialised maintenance demands. Um, You've got a higher financial exposure. The sheer value of these megastructures and their generated revenue adds significantly to potential losses. Um, A single turbine failure, for example, can result in claims running into tens of billions of dollars. Um, I think we've got to look at these evolving risks and unforeseen challenges. We've got to look at material limitations and the new technologies, we've got to look at the, the changing environmental conditions and adding an element onto this, uh, the cybersecurity threats. Uh, there's a growing reliance on automation and interconnected systems, exposing turbines to cyber attacks, potentially causing operational disruptions and physical damage.
0: I think, Michael, you made really clear there as well how like, the skills and knowledge set of um, people working in this part of the insurance industry has had to kind of like change and evolve and develop over the um, the last decade. Um, Dan, w- what's your predictions for the future of insuring wind farms? And, you know, as, as Michael touched on that, you know, cyber is now part of the risk within insuring wind farms. How will it continue to change?
1: Yeah, nothing stands still. When I started in wind energy in 2001, there was already quite an established market, um, and what we find now is that for Axis we want to lean on data and innovation to drive that risk insight. One of the ways you want to do this is to partner with our insureds and for example look at tools whether it's data, whether it's AI, whether it's new robotics to explain and understand how these new renewable assets are going to cope as climate change increases. You mentioned earlier there Emma around that climate variability. All the time we're seeing better models able to predict the big natural perils that can cause catastrophic losses. At Axis we've partnered with a number of robotics teams who can evaluate how well a wind farm is operating and use new techniques to understand how well it's likely to stand up to perils that are on the increase. For example lightning. As the climate's heated up lightning is more prevalent, turbines are getting bigger, that puts the turbine blades closer up into the clouds where the lightning comes from. So rather than Uh, being uh, reactive to that, we want to get ahead of the game and lean on new data, new inspection techniques to understand how well these turbines are going to perform. And like all insurers, we should be leaning on those data to to carry the market forward. So we're very keen to take an innovative approach in that risk sharing.
0: Mm. And will there be more wind farms? I'm very aware we're in a general election year and um, um, there have been accusations um, of some kind of like backpedaling in terms of um, the UK's ambitions when it comes to renewable energy. Um, Nick, do you think what there, you know, there is a commitment and there will be more wind farms or what will the type of renewable energy the UK government is interested in change?
3: So there are about 11,000 wind farms, uh, sorry pardon me, 11,000 wind farms I wish, uh, there's, 11, <laughs> there's 11,000 wind turbines uh, in, in the UK. Um, I think uh, well, what's interesting is that those wind turbines have served this country uh, very, very well. Um, obviously, we've had a recent storm, and I, th- I believe there's one news report of one turbine that, that fell down. So I think that's a success rate of 99.99%. Um, so we, we know wind turbines are resilient. Um, we are seeing more battery storage uh, being built every single uh, every single quarter, um, and that's in order to help facilitate and uh, un- uh, unlock more offshore renewable, uh, renewable energy uh, p- uh, potential for offshore wind farms. Um, and I think uh, in, in general, um i think everyone's got a part to play uh, in helping uh, renewable energy move forwards uh, within the UK mm.
0: um nigel would you agree that will do you think there will be more wind farms or um, will i mean uh, i think dan dan touched on the turn of the century which um some people may not remember but there was also a lot of talk at that point about tidal energy and and um and solar etc and it seems to be we've gone heavily down the wind farm route yeah
2: i i, I do remember the turn of the century um <laughs> The I mean it's it, it's I'm gonna say it's quite disappointing in the UK, particularly the onshore wind since twenty fifteen, the the restrictions that have been put in place and we haven't um, we haven't developed as we should have done in a lot of areas. I think I think I mean fortunately at RSA we'd a business like like my colleagues here do internationally, so we can see that we're lagging behind the rest of the world in some of this, in the way that it's developed. I would certainly, you know, are there going to be more wind farms? There are more wind farms. It's a constantly up, you know, it's a great industry to work in because it is always presenting mm. new opportunities and challenges and new places around the world where these things are happening. It would definitely be good to see more in the UK. Um, I think as, as I think, as Nick touched on that, that, in the UK we are seeing an awful lot of battery storage at the moment, which which overcomes a lot of the criticisms around, you know, what happens when the wind doesn't blow. Um, for for smoothing that out. But it feels that we are running short, I think, in the UK on this.
0: So more but lagging behind and possibly we should be following the leads of others. Is that something you'd agree with, Michael? Would you like to see more?
4: I definitely would like to see more. Mm -hmm. And if I could just quote a couple of data points, perhaps. Um, The Global Wind Energy Council, for example, reports that global wind energy capacity is expected to double by 2030. Uh, And that highlights the urgency of addressing insurance challenges, particularly for large turbines. Um, I think it was a 2022 report by DNV that says the average size of offshore wind turbines has increased by 13% annually since 2010, um, with the largest capacity now approaching the 18 to 20 megawatt range. Um, And Lloyd's Register, for example, estimates that by 2030, the insurance costs for a a modest 14-megawatt offshore turbine now could be 50% higher than for a 7-megawatt turbine. Um, you know, so we're certainly moving forward, uh, but it's these challenges which require, I think, a data-driven analysis and a comprehensive perspective on the challenges that the industry faces.
0: Mm, Dan, would you agree?
1: Absolutely. We, uh, we're in a position now in the UK where we've really developed a, a world-leading approach to the consenting and licensing and off-taker of offshore wind farms. And in order to build out new capacity for renewables and associated tech like green hydrogen, suppliers, developers, planners, they need a clear pipeline, and that has to come from government. Now, when you look at the Crown Estate in the UK, they recently announced changes to the tariff for offshore wind and for floating offshore wind, which will hopefully re jump that economy. We are second to only China now in terms of installed capacity of offshore wind in the UK. That's a tremendous advantage. And it really brings investment into the UK, brings experience into the UK market. And for us in the London insurance market, that puts us in a fantastic position to, as, as Nigel said, use those data to help our insurers understand where we see the, 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 the catch points. And for us, it's really about explaining what we need to see up front. Looking at the data, if it's a new turbine that's 15, 17, 18 megawatts in size, it's not actually starting from scratch. These are established tech. The Danes were building turbines in the mid-80s, and America as well. It's making that transition with them and understanding there's a clear pipeline, vessels are available, skills are available, and that, that that UK engine for growth will continue to function. So we have a vital part to play in that in supporting financiers, developers of these projects to move it all forward.
0: Mm, and, and so what was it? I mean, we could talk um, on this for far longer, but to go back to, I suppose, the, the starting point with Nick, so... Essentially, whatever, uh, so there is capacity there, there is um, the affordability of cover because we've got the data now. So, in other words, so insurance is there to, if ambitions were to ramp up in terms of um, wind farms in the UK, insurance is there to support that.
3: Absolutely. <coughs> um- Mm. My fellow uh, panel members here, we we've all been doing this a long time. Our insurance companies have been doing this a long time. We've got a lot of experience, a lot of data. Um, we're really excited to see how the market's going to move forwards. Um, you know, we do this every day. You know, and we love it. Otherwise, you know, we wouldn't come to work. Um, and
0: yeah. yeah, and Nigel, last word to You said so the capacity is there, the affordability is there.
2: A- absolutely. I mean, you know, it. it uh, Rather like Nick, I mean, I've been doing this quite a while um, and we've seen a lot of new entrants coming into the market in terms of insurers and capacity. A lot of people almost like transition that some of the companies have done in the in, from, from conventional to renewables. A lot of insurers have done the same and moved into this space as well. So from a client's perspective, there is certainly the capacity here and the experience and also the, the willingness to work with them in the longer term. So it is it is a very exciting place to be working in
0: very reassuring. So whatever way the political wind blows, the industry's there to be insuring wind farms. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Insurance Post podcast. I'd like to thank Michael, Dan, Nigel and Nick for joining us and sharing their insights on insuring wind farms. As always, also thanks to you for listening to the Insurance Post podcast. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to Insurance Post and by following us on Facebook, LinkedIn and X. Make sure you come back next week for a discussion on equine insurance. Until then, this is Emran Hughes signing off. The Insurance Post podcast is a product of InfoPro Digital.